Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. <laughs> Running and gunning today. Whoa. That's very violent, Bryce. It's an expression of uh <laughs> of post haste, man. That's fine. Hey, welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club episode 39, the podcast where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share tales of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host. Bryce Johnson. And our trusty producer. Riley Brake. Hey, guys. How was your Labor Day weekend? Oh, it's good, man. How was yours? <laughs> that sounded like bullshit. Great, <laughs> great, <laughs> great banter. I ask you a question. Yeah, it's you fucking just, great. You threw it Let's right back at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad the summer's over and my kids are back in school full time. Yeah, you were uh, you were single dadding it for a little bit. Oh, there, my gosh. You? Yeah, it was like a daddy daycare towards the end of the summer, but... Uh, it gets to be a lot. It gets to be a lot. Those kids really made you prioritize your family over this podcast. And it's amazing. I'm upset about that. What mothers do. I just want to <laughs> say that. There's like even at my like even at running at like 120%, I still can't like accomplish to the quality level that my wife does. It's like I believe it. It's amazing. It's amazing what they do. I so I think we've all learned that Shout your out to wife, the moms out there. I think we've all learned that your wife is like a million times better than you are. Yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, <laughs> if only she believed in Bigfoot, you know, <laughs> then, then you'd be in trouble. Buddy. Then I'd be in trouble. I yeah. know, totally. Um, well, we have an amazing guest with us today, sitting here in the studio, silently nodding along. You know, he's a, pro- a professional. <laughs> he's waiting for his introduction. Uh, I would say this is the better half of Acker and Blacker. Oh, <laughs> we had been Acker on previously. Uh, he's the co-writer and creator of Thrilling Adventure Hour. He's the host of the Writers Panel podcast, and he has a new comic book series called Hex Wives coming out in October for Vertigo, which is awesome. That's an imprint of DC Comics. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ben Blacker. Woo! Thank you. What's up? Long time listener. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> First true. time. I love That's the show. Awesome. Oh, no, yeah, it's really. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Oh, That's God, there are really no surprises cool. here. All right, cool. Love that. So you know I'm going to beat you to every segment. <laughs> oh, that's do. awesome. I would actually enjoy it if you did. Go ahead and host the show. You, you don't trust Bryce anymore. <laughs> I don't. He's been for, a stranger. For good reason. First of all, what is happening reason. with your microphone Thank you. There, Thank Bryce? you. No, don't you worry You don't even know it. how to podcast how anymore. How dare you, sir? How dare you, sir? <laughs> is this your first time? Yeah, it's always my first we've time. We've been a little out of sync because we've... Uh, we, We've kind of we also do you know shows up on the Patreon and I think Bryce you've been missing other than the Bigfoot Movie Club I think we haven't had you for like six episodes over there oh that's not true really yeah all oh, well let's let's review and also this is a good chance to plug the Patreon we had Bigfoot Boys this summer in August mm-hmm. you were in that 
Then we had campfire stories. Church, church lady werewolf. You were not in that. Oh yeah, no, I wasn't. Then we had uh, Riley went to Burning Man. You were not in that. We had Bigfoot Movie Club. Okay, you were I in don't that. like this game. And then <laughs> we had a bonus with Maggie Lawson that you were also not in. Well, this is you the know. segment where we shame Bryce for having. I, a I think I'm angry, <laughs> and it's just funny. coming out right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm no, coming at you know okay. what. I'm the one who's running and gunning, and I apologize. Oh. All good. All I'm here good. to interview new co-hosts. <laughs> I'm gonna. We're gonna see how this goes for the oh next forty God. minutes. Uh, ben, then... our crisis management for today. Yeah, totally. <laughs> He's. Like... I'm still like getting over how amazing your uh, your names are, Ben Blacker oh. and Ben Acker. You're gonna have to get over it. I know. I'm gonna have well, to get over it. I think I, that's I, so... We've been working together for 15 years. It's so incredible. We almost never hear it. Right. Right. I know. It must not be a first for you guys. But... I'll be the first. To admit it um so ben acker usually contacts me much more than ben blacker yeah. mm-hmm. i don't like um, to leave my house we socialize I'm sometimes and he'll text me and literally when ben we got ben got in touch because he's like hey i'd love to come to the show which of course we'd love to have ben blacker on the show i thought it's I a just, get i'm a I, get you're a huge get hell yeah and uh but my like nonchalant i'm reading the email as i'm like walking the dog i just glaze over black and i think it's ben acker and i'm like boy he really wants to be back on the show real fast (laughs) he did love doing the show he said you guys treated him real well i love i love the episode it's a great great. episode it was a good episode uh, socorro saucer one of of my favorite stories anyway it took about two emails until i until ben was like dude this isn't acker and i was like fuck i'm so sorry That's nice. Unbelievable. Does that happen a lot? Yeah, all the time. You're name twins. We are. You guys knew what you're getting into when you signed up to be a partnership. <laughs> well, also nobody reads emails. It's Let's true. be honest. Like yeah. well, we don't have time. We're reading them on our phone. Yeah. I was going yeah. through it very quickly. I'm I'm like big on like now I use a lot of bold and underline in my emails. I'm it's like a good idea. they won't read the body. Let me just yeah. bold a few of the highlights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you did a great job with the email to Bobcat Goldthwait for the show. I just want to mention. Oh, that. thank great you job. very much. Very you know, good. The correspondence. Bold, bold stuff really worked. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Before we get into um, our guest's personal paranormal history, yeah. I hear that we have some Riley BCC news. Well, that was <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Sorry, I got excited there. I really did. So, um, my father-in-law Ian sent me this, uh, which I thought was great because um, he lives in Vancouver. Are you uh, having a on... hard time with that? Yeah, the mic my is. Uh, you're you're like Bryce. Bryce is halfway sl- like, slouched halfway. Down well, and I'm slinking down to like get uh, get to it. It looks like you're in a crib and you're sucking on a bottle. <laughs> oh, but I also want to be able to see my um, my laptop there. Okay. Right. So, uh, <laughs> so this came out August fifteenth, and uh, the headline reads: "Bigfoot lawsuit lacks an air of reality." Say BC lawyers. Oh yeah, yes. This is sort of so, an update to the uh, larger uh, story with uh, Claudia Ackley up in Washington State as well. Yeah, absolutely. So this is Todd Standing. Yeah, uh, and he is the filmmaker of Discovering Bigfoot. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Todd Standing, but he's had some. Um, kind of notorious rapport throughout the Bigfoot community. He's gotten what uh, what some believe to be amazing Bigfoot uh, videos Mm. and stuff. But then on the other hand, some of them are like, you know, completely uh, laughable, some might argue. You remember how like in the original Return of the Jedi, the Ewoks didn't (laughs) blink? They just looked like, you know, they were were cool costumes, but they just had sort of doll faces, you know, (laughs) teddy bear faces. A couple photos from this guy that look a little like that. So that headline came off the the one the day before. Tracker takes BC government to court to prove Bigfoot exists. A BC man is taking the provincial government to court for allegedly damaging his credibility and not acknowledging that the Sasquatch, also known as Bigfoot, may exist. Tracker and documentarian Todd Standing will make his case that the species is real Tuesday when he appears in a new Westminster courtroom. He says he has evidence way beyond a reasonable doubt that the species exists. If this was a murder trial, I would just annihilate it, he told CTV's Your Morning on Tuesday. Uh, Your Morning on Tuesday. I'm going to overwhelm them with evidence. Um, That's <clears throat> a really weird quote. I know. Yeah. This, it really is. He's either going to march into the courtroom and pull down his pants... Or march in the courtroom and pull down his pants and just take a giant shit. Why is anyone giving this guy any creep? 
Oh, good God. <laughs> oh, so he's shocked. He's shocked the, at the realness. The photo is You insane. must be showing him the uh, the Muppet one. That yeah. looks like a Muppet. Yeah, that's yeah. A, some dark crystal shit. Yeah, yeah. that is some dark Ugh. crystal shit. Why is anyone listening to now, this movie Now, what's today? strange about that, so, so in that same yeah. documentary, he has uh, this one Bigfoot that he's, uh, with a videotape he's filming. This and is it's like second attempt. And it's like through trees. <laughs> Let me see. This one. Oh, that people well, think oh, that's, him. A, that's a bad. Yeah, they, people think it's him in makeup. Yeah, there was Obviously. A, there that was one. Even look like the same species. <laughs> I think it's a tree in makeup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it so sounds like you're not convinced at those photos. I've seen the movie. I've seen the movie. It was it's actually a pretty interesting it, movie. It's fun, but it feels very. That's the thing. Once I once got to these, I was like, you can't do it. I'm turning it off. Doesn't this make you so sad that like there's stuff going on in this world, and this guy's like. I'm taking this to court. I yeah, know. I have to prove this. Well, wait a minute. Oh, what are you I doing? am I am in favor of Claudia Ackley in uh, Northern California. I'm I'm in favor of her uh, her her same. She's trying to do the same thing with California, get Bigfoot recognized as official wildlife, because she and her kids have seen one like once or twice and i actually kind of believe her story she's not passing along are these people who live in the woods yes. like that movie from a couple years ago well, what, oh what mama made, what made <laughs> sure <laughs> not what i was thinking no that that oh I what can't made this what guy interesting anyway. was that he's like a professional tracker and uh you know that he learned from the first nations people so he would actually go out on his own and without a gun or anything like that thank and, god uh, you know, and he would go like deep into the woods and um, and, he is and, an, and, and I, wear like his ghillie suit and like you know awesome. sniper in. <clears throat> I do. Res- I mean, like the one thing that that movie shows is like he does seem to know his way around the forest. Oh, which for is, sure. Like, all right, I couldn't do. I couldn't camp to the extreme measures that he does. No, could, hell no. I couldn't camp. Well, and another bit of controversy too <laughs> is that uh, that's straight. You know, he partnered up with Les Stroud, the survivalist. So, so you get this this mixed bag of like credibility. You know, um, so what's I happening? I don't know that you do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Les Stroud's the man. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, but he got paid to do this. Presumably. And who? Yeah. Well, who's Les Stroud? Les Stroud is the survivalist. Uh, oh. I don't know if you've ever watched those shows on like that, but he's like, like the a Bear re- Grylls. Uh, better than Bear Grylls. Like Bear Grylls had a uh, yeah, that's right. Better, better than Bill, Bear Grylls had like a film crew with him. Les Stroud was notorious for just being out on his own uh, individually and being in the woods and doing these great survival shows. Not only that, is that he has an incre- two incredible Bigfoot encounters uh, that turned him into a believer. So as much oh. times as he spent out in the woods, he finally came out and he was like, you know, I've had a couple experiences. That that really turned me around and raised the hair on the back of my head. Um, That's the kind of credibility I I can get behind. Yeah, for sure. He actually has credibility. Let me ask you guys a serious question. Okay. (laughs) If these lawsuits go the way that the people in them want them to, Mm -hmm. and both Vancouver and California are like, Okay, sure. Bigfoot's real. Right. You did right. It. Good right. job. Totally. Like, how do we make these people go away? Do this? Okay, great. Sure. <laughs> Where does that leave you guys? Hey, like, what does that do for the Bigfoot community? Not, I think not it- much. <laughs> because I think, actually, even in Washington State, he's recognized in their guide of flora he and or fauna. She. He or she. Uh, Bigfoot or is they. actually recognized... Um, as a real species within the flora and fauna catalog. so Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. But nobody gives a shit. Like, it doesn't no. change the fact that it this doesn't is change a anything. And then they'll put some. No, phenomenon. he's not going to emerge through a light portal and go, finally, no. legalized. <laughs> you see me? I feel seen. <laughs> All I needed was some legal documentation. <laughs> Suddenly, it's it's sort of a reverse Thanos situation where just Sasquatch start appearing all around us. <laughs> that would be Whoa. awesome. That would be the best case scenario. Yeah, yeah that would be great. Well, I've been with you this whole time. <laughs> anyway, that's his story, and uh, they kind of laughed him off. Um, none of it has convinced the BC Fish and Wildlife, which has refused to recognize. And you know, his if there's like a bunch decade. of Canadian uh, barristers laughing at you, then you're a real sure. schmuck. They're you're very real schmuck, yeah. <laughs> so that's the uh, Todd Standing taking the BC government to court. All right. Well, yeah. it's good to know. Good luck. We need to contact Claudia Ackley. I want to get her on the show. Get her on the show. All right, we'll do it. Use bold in your email. I looked at Riley. Get on that, Riley. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. (laughs) Well, uh, Ben. (coughs) Yes. It's why you came here. What is your personal paranormal history? Oh, you guys. I had a ghost. Really? No joke. You have a baby ghost? No joke. Uh, In my old place where my wife and I lived for seven years. 
Um, this was a, I think, a 1924, 1926 uh, duplex in the Koreatown Hancock Park area. And um, we lived on the first floor. And we both independently reported seeing uh, a man standing in the hallway who was dressed in, like, I would say, like, 50s businessman garb, like salesman. Like a Don Draper ghost. A little tackier. Okay. A little tackier. Yeah. Like, it made me think, like, mid-50s, even early 50s. Not as slick. Not as slick. Holding a, like, sales case. So, like, Roger Sterling trying to make it. Exactly. Like, the if there were a prequel. Right, right, right. (laughs) Which I would totally watch. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like, a Better Call Saul for Roger I'm Come on. In. You sold that in the room. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> uh, but we both reported this independently to other people, and I forget who was, was like, you guys need to talk to each other. Wow. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And one, you saved our marriage. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then in, in that same, and it was by, like, there was a long hallway and a closet at the end of the hallway, and we both saw it in the same spot, and our dogs would go and, like, bark at that spot and scratch at that spot, and it didn't feel harmful like it was a very benevolent feeling sure. it was just a dude hanging out standing Weird. in the corner with his case what do you make of that we a, a friend who is into ghost bullshit because we don't believe in ghosts right we believed in our ghost right. but we generally don't right. believe in ghosts I love ghost bullshit i love <laughs> that's that. funny because usually when you see one it opens your mind up yeah. to you the concept as a greater whole yeah yeah you would think not, not so, so much <laughs> interesting so wait all right yeah so a friend was like maybe like she she said she thinks that ghosts are like attracted to metal and there was an incident in our kitchen where like a first the electricity went out mm. and then uh the metal tray slid out of the to- we were not in the room we were in a different room and the metal mm. tray slid out of the toaster and she what? that made her think like maybe metal was attracting them or was involved or something sure. but it was just this one ghost maybe he was selling magnets um. <laughs> and his briefcase a you remember of, of, magnet of strong, heavy, fifty magnets. This nineteen fifties magnet salesman. Yeah. Magnets were new to yeah. America. <laughs> Refrigerators were really becoming a big thing. Yeah. So when you guys told each other about what you had seen, oh, we was freaked it kind of... the fuck out. Yeah. Tell me about that. Like, was you? I mean, that must have been crazy. It was. It's like when you are like getting to know someone and you're describing something you have in common. Cause we could not believe that we basically, like he had sort of a plaid jacket, right? like a dark plaid jacket. Like we were describing the same thing and you it guys was experienced insane. the same thing, but it never felt like, Oh shit, we have to get out of here. Or who are we going to call? Like, right. Oh, I wish I had thought of that. <laughs> like we were just like, Oh, we have another roommate. <laughs> Right. right, and we right. didn't see him all the time, and in fact, like the last two or three years, we didn't feel it at all. So I have no idea, but it did was it, very specific. Did it spark your interest in the paranormal or or, or ghosts nah. or anything? No, no, no. I'm good. No, I was afraid to go. Well, I'll tell you this. Here's why it didn't. Right. We shortly after that we were. I guess it wasn't that. Uh, it was a little while after that we were watching The Conjuring uh, mm-hmm. on television. Oh yeah. And my wife cannot watch scary stuff. Mine's She's the same not way. into that. No way. So we had to watch it during the the daytime so it was like a saturday morning we were watching the conjuring that's awesome and if you recall in the conjuring the way the ghost was communicating with the people was through knocks mm-hmm. and so we were watching these scenes of like these scary knocks and then on our front door three huge knocks oh. we jumped like ran around the house like crazy people and then opened the door and it was the UPS guy. And oh. was just like, he must go to, like, he, so nonchalant, like, sign, please. Like, he must hear people screaming on the other side of doors all the time. Right, right. <laughs> we're like, we don't want to investigate our own ghost May- for fear of what it might open up. Maybe totally. the people in The Conjuring just had a UPS guy living in their walls. Yeah, it could, I mean, it's, it's possible. I, if you read early drafts, you'll yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. That's a crazy story. I mean, Wait, I have more questions. Okay. I don't uh, have more did answers. The, did the metal Coming out of the toaster oven, were you guys sitting in the room and you heard it happen, yeah. or did you come home and find it? No, we were in the bedroom and we heard the clatter. And was that before or after you saw young Roger Sterling? It, I think it was like pretty far after. Far after. Yeah, so you guys was... and you guys had already revealed to one another yes. you had had this. Now, why didn't mm. you tell your wife after the first time? Why? Why? Because it felt like. 
oh, this is like crazy thing that I imagined. And right. I forget how it came up with someone else. I'm sure it was just telling ghost stories. But right. Like, I was telling our, our fr- my friend that, and she was like, Julie told me about a ghost also. Oh, my. That is, yeah. That's a strange story, it man. very strange. Yeah, you guys definitely obviously what saw other some sort of... secrets are you keeping from Julie? I That's won't know until we start to tell our <laughs> another friend. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if we tell you and then yeah. she tells you. She listened to the podcast. Exactly. Mm. She's like, I also have a Bigfoot lawsuit <laughs> in DC. <laughs> she has several pending. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Do you think that ghost was disappointed after it went to all this trouble of <laughs> totally. haunting you guys and then you just had this nonchalant response it's, to it it picked the wrong people to hunt <laughs> it really like, did we, no one could be less interested <laughs> you know it seems like that, a lot of effort and then you know it's just like yeah that, that's, the, na- that's the nature of coming sales. back from the dead <laughs> yeah. exactly that's he the nature of sales sale. you know yeah, so. yeah. yeah i feel like maybe he just wanted to be seen and was <laughs> satisfied once that like we sort of talked to each other because we really didn't see it or feel it. and then we moved to our new place um and it just like there's there's a feeling you get from a haunted place i think and we moved to our new place and it just feels dead and it's also like a 19 i want to say 26 good dead or bad dead like, good dead like no activity there's dead. no active like yeah, it's that's good it's hollow like, like it's like dead. a sound room. Dead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. it's empty <laughs> it's full of hopeless this house is clean <laughs> <laughs> perfect wow <laughs> Well, that's I, wild. I think you prove our point that we make on the show sometimes that you have people who like experience these things and just move on with their lives move and don't on. think much about it. And then well, other people was, who yeah. are like, I have to start a podcast. It was, right. it was so, it felt so harmless. And I don't know, it felt like the, I don't know, the dumb way to say it is the ghost didn't want us to do anything. Mm-hmm. Like he right. wasn't asking for anything. He was just being seen. And as I said, like, I don't believe I'm not a believer in this stuff. And just, I don't know. Well, how, I, I can't how does reconcile. That work? Yeah, how do you reconcile not being a believer with because seeing something like this? Usually, in, usually, usually in cases like oh, right. exactly <laughs> when you have uh, when you have multiple witnesses confirming and verifying the same type of details of some sort of phenomenon. I don't believe those people. <laughs> But I mean that 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 I sets you on the trail of truth, with a you know. Great a snob. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. Those people are kooks. Right. My ghost was real. <laughs> oh no, I'm afraid for my story. No, but but I'm with Bryce on this. Like, how how do you? I don't get it. I'm open to it. I'm open to it being real, but I'm not going to chase down every story and right. think that. Like I, I'm a hard sell. When you say you're open to it being real, are you are you open to uh, the thoughts of perhaps this might be an entity from the afterlife? Are you open to the thoughts that perhaps this is just some energy apparition? What what are you open to the idea of? Uh, after having heard you talk about the various kinds of or explanations for what a ghost could be, mm-hmm. I like to think that there's some kind of lingering energy. Yeah, I think that that makes a kind of sense to me. That said, in my brain. Yeah. I know people are just meat. Right. You know? Right. Like when you're dead, you're dead. Right. Mm, delicious meat. <laughs> yeah. I think we all have a heart out for lunch. <laughs> sure. Sure. No, it's very true. I mean, I, I'm I'm with you on But um, that's what I'm having that's what I can't reconcile. I think it's some sort of energy thing too. Listen, Nicholas Nikola Tesla said to understand the secrets of the universe, think in terms of frequency, vibration, and energy. So uh obviously, you know, this guy who couldn't make a sale, um, it really affected him. And maybe there's some sort of uh, energetic pattern that remains in uh, in that spot. I like that. Here's the other thing along like the those sequel lines. sequel to Death of a Salesman. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. The posthumous sequel. Of your life. <laughs> I'm a salesman. Totally. Yes. Sold uh, it in the room. <laughs> in in putting together this comic book, Hex Wives, which is about witches... I've talked to some practicing witches yeah. who kind of have similar things to say about like energy and, you know, like vibrations and stuff like that. Sure. And I talked about like, what does it mean to do a spell? That seems insane to me. Yeah. Right. And the things they talk about, which is sort of like, it's about putting energy in the world. Mm-hmm. It's about like, if you curse someone, that curse is going to come back on you. So sure. you don't want to put that bad energy on someone, but you can do another thing, which, and like at that point you're splitting hairs, but I think there's something to that that is unexplained, but I do ultimately think there is going to be science discovered behind it. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that theory. 
Um, I'm just, I, I'm just amazed. Also, I got to plug the book, which I think, <laughs> yeah. I think that's important. Well, when, <laughs> totally. So wait, when is it, comes out in October? I'm glad you asked, Mike. Uh, it comes out on Halloween. Oh, Ooh, awesome. Appropriate. Yeah, yeah. It's about witches. It's, uh, if Samantha from Bewitched didn't know she were a powerful witch and was being held as a suburban housewife against her will. Oh, oh that's, that's great. great. So uh, sort of, uh, uh, Stepford Wives. Yes. Meets uh, bewitched, bewitched. Great, love it. I love that. Also, he's wearing his bewitched t-shirt. I'm on brand. Speaking Very. of Halloween, wasn't it last Halloween that we we uh, ran and ganned, run and gun to get our first episode on the? Gan. I tried to do ran cast and tense, and run and gun, ran and ganned to get our first episode of a BCC on the air. Right? Yeah, is that right? And yeah. it'll be our one year anniversary. It will be, and our one year anniversary falls on a Wednesday this year. Cool. So I think we're going to have, um, cooking up an idea for a Halloween special. Oh, dude. Yes. We'll, we'll celebrate our one year. That's great, because now Halloween, every Halloween is going to be our birthday. Yeah, that's great. I this love that. This is fucking that perfect. Is it's yeah. like we planned it. Yeah, I love it. Congratulations. Um, well, thank and you, you too. That's a feat. Yeah. Like a year, yeah, we're coming a year up on doing a, year. a podcast is pretty good. And I, yeah, thank you very much. I mean, I just celebrated 400 of the writer's panel, but oh, a year oh, is wow. great, <laughs> you guys. A year yeah. is great. So tell, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about writers. Do you not want to talk about Bigfoots? No, we'll get to it. <laughs> we already have. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit about Writer's Panel, too. Uh, Writer's Panel is a podcast that I put out every week in which I talk to writers about, uh, mostly television writers, about the business and process of writing television. If awesome. there is a program that you love, I found the audience to be sort of 70% writers mm-hmm. or people who want to write for television and 30% people who love DVD extras. Right. Uh, right. Like the pe- fans of that stuff. I miss audience. those DVD yeah, extras. Yeah, totally. Me too. The, 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 the knock in DVD sales is really... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Stolen a lot of the fun stuff about what made DVDs cool in the first place. I agree. Um, yeah. So people who like that stuff, I think, will like the... Po- and if there's a TV show you love, I have had the creator or one of the strong voices from how, that show in on the podcast. That's great. How often do you guys talk about, like, Betty and Barney Hill's abduction or, <laughs> like, the Zanfredi? <laughs> Only... Constantly. Okay, okay great. I edit them out of. I edit out of most podcasts, but <laughs> it comes up almost every time. <laughs> Sounds like we could use some of that on our bonus section. <laughs> yeah, totally. Fantastic. All right. Well, uh, I can't believe you saw a ghost, and you still don't believe in ghosts. That's amazing. First time. That's a weird. You're a weirdo. I like I know, that though. But you're I'm complicated. Kind of that makes I'm me like you more. I get it. Okay. Well, uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and we come back. It's time for high strangeness. Right? Yeah. Is that a question mark, exclamation point type thing? (laughs) You know it was. You're already curating your Bigfoot museum in your head. I can see it. It's happening. All right. Welcome to uh, High Strangeness. It is is my turn this week, uh, and I'm excited to bring you... um, what I think is one of the most fascinating cases within the last uh, decade, perhaps more. As ben, ben took a bite of his long John, like if you look up nonplussed eating a like, donut, that's prove ben. it. <laughs> Trump. This is how that goes. Oh no, yeah, I'm screwed from the start. <laughs> Listen, you brought some delightful donuts. I didn't want to eat on the microphone. Oh, well, God. Ben, you do your intro. I got ben, what I- his look to that ghost must have been Could like. I could see through you, yeah. but eh. but there are donuts. So. Yeah. Well, then we have a surprise for you. The ghost is here today. Come on, oh sit down. Oh, Time to oh. confront your beliefs. Amazing. Anyway, this is called the um, the Ariel School phenomena. Um, Ariel. Have you heard school phenomena? No, not Ariola. Ariel School phenomena. This is a school in uh, Rua, Zimbabwe, uh, South Africa. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. When we did the John E. Mack episode with, yes. I believe it was guest Maria Thayer. Shout out Maria Thayer. Boo. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, we mentioned he mentioned or you mentioned this uh, incident at the school. That's correct? right. Okay, That's cool. right. And I'm John just... John John Mack he plays an integral part of this story. Ben for uh and for those who don't know, Johnny Mack is a. Uh, is a Harvard uh, psychiatrist and a Pulitzer Prize-winning author uh, who wrote a book on uh, the abduction phenomena. And later in his career, he became um, sort of like it, it fell into his lap, but he became really interested in in, uh, in interviewing and uh, and uh, working with working patients. with thank you uh, mm-hmm. ab- uh, people who have uh, tales of abduction. Oh, like that guy on the X Files. 
Yes, okay. yes. And he came to some pretty stabbing. Put it in a language I can Yes, understand. absolutely. Well, he came to some You can pretty, pretty much follow up anything that we're going to say with, oh, like that guy on the X-Files. Right. Yeah, you know, he was a skeptic that kind of came into some staggering conclusions that that though he can't prove the physical existence of, of aliens, something uh, is absolutely taking place and happening. Um, anyway, so let's let's jump in. On, um, on September 16th, September... Uh, it was 2000. September 16th, September? Yeah, mm. 1994. Um, at approximately 10.15, over 60-plus children witnessed uh, a strange silver-glowing craft kind of landing just uh, outside their um, out, outside their field. And, and a couple of beings exiting the craft... Um, and this sort of sparked the Ariel School phenomenon. Now, they were all on uh, the morning recess. And what's weird about this is that all the, uh, all the adults from the school, they were inside during a staff meeting. So really, there's about 200 kids, you know, uh, outside on the playground. When they, when they see in the light sky these, like, kind of three silvery objects, and, and they're kind of, like, floating uh, around in the sky... One of them seems to like come down and descend right into a field that's really only about 50 yards from where they're playing. And they kind of hear this kind of loud noise. And outside the vehicle... <laughs> Had it lost it. <laughs> they see... It's the loud noise. They see no, this... I got it. <laughs> I worked in fake radio for years. <laughs> we are all being silently judged. <laughs> they see this one meter tall kind of being exit the craft now all these witnesses these now these are kids from about first grade to seventh grade so varying in ages from about five to 13 um and they're and they're a mixed culture you know uh, kids from uh australia and new england and uh in africa and but they're all i'm sorry their ages again uh they're so they range from like first grade to seventh grade so, so unreliable yeah <laughs> well yeah no but you'll, you'll get to a point that kind of like uh that prods the story later is that you know it was really these kids who witnessed this there wasn't any adult witnesses there mm. were there was the night before three airline pilots uh re- logged in reporting seeing this strange glowing orb outside their left wing um and they called that and not only that two days two days earlier um there would report uh, a ufo streaked across the sky over southern africa um, and now one of the uh, Africa's leading researchers, Cynthia Hines, she did a MUFON investigation on this UFO flap called Case Number 95. This is about the UFOs they saw a couple days before uh, that landed craft in the, in the school of Zimbabwe. Um, but anyway, I want to get back to, to what happened there. So, so these kids report seeing um, like about a, a one meter tall creature wearing this kind of black skin tight suit kind of described as like what a diver suit would look like a skinny neck large head black almond shaped eyes and um and long black hair so this is like an alien gray but with hair yes absolutely somehow that's more disgusting you know one kid described it like it looked like michael jackson but with a bigger (laughs) with a bigger head is it possible it was michael jackson it could have been uh he does have a jetpack he does have a jetpack now. Um, did. He's dead now. A couple of them described what, where it I'm gets explaining. interesting is like, uh, you know, the number of uh, these beings that they they witness kind of varies. Most of them agree that it was around two, uh, but some reported seeing up to three or possibly even four of these beings. Um, you know, which will kind of get into like um, sort of what I believe is happening here that it that, that all this phenomena runs through our own personal filters um you know so like being the witness to a car crash you know we can all witness that same thing and describe it in different ways you know i saw Um, two long-haired aliens crash that car (laughs) i saw michael jackson crash that car now they reported one of them kind of just like uh you know sitting on top of this uh what they described as a silver disc and uh and they said one of them um, kind of approached a, a, a group of the kids, and uh, and a lot of them became very frightened. A lot of them were the very, kids or the aliens. The the kids, and uh, some of them became pretty excited as well. Now they're the only adult on the playground 
uh, was one of the kids' moms, and she was running what was called the Tuck Shop, which is just where they sell sweets and 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 treats. I want to like hear this, more about of this, this of this nature. <laughs> well, she had a child who went to the school. I have a real sweet tooth. <laughs> yeah, and uh, what kind of candy do they have? They came they came running up to her. Uh, the teachers were all in the staff room for the weekly teachers meeting, and the only other adult on the school premise was Miss Allison Kirkman, a physiotherapist, who was voluntarily running the tuck, tuck shop. Shortly after 10, a few of the children noticed something strange beyond the playground, which was dotted with several clumps of trees. Now, um, besides which, no one knew what dangerous... Oh, anyway, Mrs. Kirkman told that when the children came running into the tuck shop talking excitedly about a small man running around with a band around his head and a one-piece suit, she was totally skeptical. Perhaps she said they were trying to get her out of the tuck shop because there were sweets and cakes, of course. <laughs> Mr. Museum Curator. Yes. Uh, we have time for one question. <clears throat> one question, please. Okay, I'm just confused. Yeah. Okay, so kids are playing on the playground. Yeah. Three objects appear in the sky. Mm-hmm. One descends. Yeah. One or two long-haired aliens get out. Right. Mom is working a. Apparently, there's a candy store on the. Yes, playground. that does not face the purview of this field. Okay, right. Seems weird that the one parent that is watch supposed to be there watching the kids <laughs> and selling them candy is looking well, away from them. Well, the derelict se- in her duties. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, so no, she's just running the shop, and the people in charge of the kids was the seventh grade class. They were. Uh, you know, so they kind There's of babies bunch of seventh babies graders. The seventh graders, babies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they were prefects. So babies really watching like, babies watching <laughs> aliens. <laughs> it was part of the assignment. Is like the seventh graders would look out over the the kids. Got Listen, it. They're learning responsibility. Okay, got it. Listen, it is a strange part of this story that there were that all the adult teachers yeah. were in a staff meeting. Um, and that the this this strange event took place when all these kids were I out don't on like the how this recess. School's being run. Yeah. I anyway, <laughs> also yeah. Now, what is the, uh, what's the alien with the band around its head in a three-piece suit? That it, 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 just the a one-piece suit. suit. That's just <laughs> oh, that's just one the of the suit. one oh, of the ways it. the witnesses describe <laughs> it. Okay, got it. Who's a dapper? Yeah. I'm still <laughs> thinking about your ghost. Oh, yeah. Okay. When that's... I was in third grade and went to summer camp, <laughs> um, we swore there was a gremlin in the woods. Really? We were wrong. Oh, not the same thing. This is, listen. Roughly the same thing. Listen, no, not at all. Listen, this is 60 kids who witnessed something absolutely phenomenal happen. Now, when they ran back in to go tell the teachers in the staff meeting, okay, here uh, we go. the teachers were like, they all thought the kids were making this up. Of course. Now, the kids go home that night, and they continue to tell their parents. And their parents called the school the next day and said, what is going on with our kids? They are obviously spooked. They're... Um, you know they're having these kind of tra- this traumatic uh, feelings I- I- taking place. Why are they being watched only by seventh graders? Yeah, and so- who? Why was no one told Michael Jackson would be making an appearance? On the I playground? should have never said the Michael Jackson. <laughs> no, uh, part of the fun and the candy's too expensive. <laughs> anyway, so one of the parents calls the BBC, the BBC, and they come Absolutely. out. They they send out a veteran war correspondent, Tim Leach. Now, Tim Leach is a BBC reporter who has covered genocide and atrocities in Africa and when he came upon this scene you know he he basically took the position of like well there must be some logical explanation these kids saw a plane or something or something had landed Uh, but later he would go on to say that once he started interviewing these kids and hearing these stories it had you know he couldn't get away from that they were telling the truth that what they had witnessed um, they had actually believed they had witnessed and it had a profound effect on on his life and his and his view of reality now so which is amazing that they actually sent out reporters so they they sent reporters to this school where they're able to interview the kids and uh, a veteran veteran mufon a field investigator cynthia hind out of africa she had the right mind to you know Bryce isn't reading any of this, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I thought Once again, I just... all his name. I'm just saying, you, you. All, we've talked about this on the show before. You just have this amazing ability to remember names and stuff like. Well, this, I but... wanted to shoot this one from the hip instead of just read it off the page. You know, it's also uh, like a great campfire story. Yeah, like it, you are telling this in a riveting way. Oh. It, it's a lie, like a campfire story. <laughs> but I want. Well, <laughs> how dare you? No. Uh, so Cynthia Hines, she has all the kids. Uh, draw what they witnessed that was you know? my next question and and the drawings mm. that they came up with now i brought you a sheet ben i think Thank i'm gonna you. grab it you know i only like physical evidence yes, yes. you have to see uh, did the aliens do anything 
Did they just show yeah. up in the field? It sounds like they frolicked no. with the kids. Um, Did they interact with the kids? Yeah, well, the interaction brings even more to some of... Here's some of the drawings that the kids... Oh, uh, kids are terrible artists. <laughs> kids are terrible artists. What? Now... These are all different. Yeah. This is like someone said, hey, draw an alien. So a bunch of kids drew different aliens. Well, you know, like I said, they all kind of uh, <laughs> had an experience or witness of, of, of the same thing yet different. Um, Whoa. So now, uh, back to John Mack. He um, he just happens to be in so Africa different. at the time um, doing a doing a documentary case on a few of Africa's famed abductees. When he gets this call that like, hey, the shit just hit the fan at this aerial school phenomenon. Tim Leach, the BBC reporter, he calls him. He says, "I'm in way over my head. You should come down here and check this out." So Tim um, Leach was on board. Yes. Oh, my gosh. He's, he's buying this. No, he is. Absolutely. Right. And, and, and you know, this is a guy who's been shot in, in, in the war fields. And, well, that and, explains. And so he's, <laughs> he's seen things. Oh, is he a ghost? Um, he might have been a ghost. <laughs> now, so John, John Mack killed. shows up and, and he starts interviewing these kids. And what they tell him, and you can, this is all on video. They, he, he hired a small film crew to film along with him. And so um, you actually get to see these kids being interviewed. And that a link we can throw up in the show notes? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a there's a there's a documentarian named Randall Nickerson who's working on um, the seminal documentary of this case. He's been working on it for about ten plus years. It's supposed to be finished actually towards the end of this summer, but so I think he's still trying to put the finishing touches on it. It, it was obviously a project that really um, had a profound effect and got a little bit out of his hands. It's it's such a vast thing. Anyway, he's interviewing the witnesses. He, he was able to track down about 40 or 50 of the witnesses today. Um, when did this take place? Yeah, remind me. This took place in 1994. Oh, okay. So a lot of these witnesses today Back are, when, we, it was a simpler time. Yeah, it was a simpler time. We believed time. in aliens. We did. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he, he's interviewed a lot of them today. Like that guy on the X-Files. Yeah, just like that guy on the X-Files. So John Mack, you know, uh, award-winning Harvard psychiatrist and psychotherapist who has had a, a, a tremendous reputation of working with children in his past. He gets there and, and he goes right to it, starts interviewing these kids. And what he uncovers is like, you know, how did you feel? And, he, and a lot of these kids were like, I felt very terrified. One girl said, one girl said, I had the strange feeling that that I was going to be living on an earth where all the trees were cut down and that there would be no air. Whoa. And so she's not the only one that said that. Um, you know, a few other of the witnesses described, like one little girl I recall saying, uh, you know, she just, it's like she got this message that, uh, that we weren't taking care of our planet, you know, and I don't know if you're familiar with kind of UFO phenomena or lore, but there's a lot of the common threads that run through abductees or experiencers that have to do with um, with environmental issues and stuff mm -hmm. like nuclear disarmament and just these big kind of topics that that uh, you know um, that range in that. And anyway, you know, he would ask these kids, you know, how well how did that happen? Did they did they say this to you or? You know, and, and, and one girl just recalled saying, I just remember looking into this being's eyes. One of the beings came really close and, uh, and, just, and just having those feelings in my body. And, and, you know, when she got home, you know, she couldn't help but to, uh, you know, just feel traumatized from having that sort of an experience and, you know, telling her parents like that. So this is this you know this is one of those strange things and um, one witness I wanted to say um, <clears throat> her name was Emily Trim and uh, she spoke at a uh, at an international UFO Congress uh, in February a couple years back and she gave an extremely emotional account of her experience she was crying when she spoke of the encountering ETs floating above the ground and she said that she fell to her knees before one such being whose face kept changing between that of an alien and that of a lion. Whoa. <clears throat> yeah. I've never heard anything like that. Very I like that a lot. Yeah, very strange, Can right? Steal that. One little girl stated that upon seeing the beings when she got the horrible feeling that we weren't taking proper care of our planet. Oh, and I already said this. Um uh, but yeah, when pressed by Harvard psychiatrist John Mack how she received these thoughts and feelings, she replied through their eyes. Now, you know, these are kids who have really no idea of what, you know, um, 
you know, mind-to-mind communication is. Telepathy. Telepathy, you know, they really don't. And not only that, this is a place and a time where they're, they're not privy to a lot of UFO uh, syndication or research. So they're not. And they probably weren't getting the X-Men cartoon. No, they weren't, you know. So that's what makes this tale all the more strange. Well, it's a prep school. They might have been. true. <laughs> Uh, was it Professor Xavier's prep school? Yeah. Is this a school for gifted youngsters? <laughs> um, yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> sorry, I was looking at my notes. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've let's see. Um, I've never been so afraid in my life when I started to realize that there was actually something to this story, uh, said Tim Leach. And that's when he reached out to uh, John Mack. I think I already mentioned that. But anyway, so... That's the kind of the tale of the aerial school phenomena, and 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 these kids kind of reported that this this craft just sort of uh, they never reported it actually landing on the ground, more or less just kind of hovering. And did it? They see it take <coughs> back off and fly off? No, it just vanished. Wow, what? it just vanished. Yeah. So it actually didn't take off, and like they see it fly away. But they were in the sky before, like mm-hmm. they didn't yeah, land. They, yeah. So here's my question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not to poke holes in this very believable sure. story. Right. Hold that thought. Yes. Because when we come back, we'll ask you, what the hell was that? And we're back asking Ben Blacker, what the hell was that? Is this school isolated pretty, in any way? Pretty much. I mean, it is It is kind of they're in their own little thing. And, you know, I'm not too familiar with the area, but mm-hmm. but uh, it's a pretty large prep school that's not like, it's not like a suburban area. I mean, okay. you know, it's out in the fields. Because that's my biggest question. It's uh-huh. like, why did nobody in the surrounding area see these crafts coming from the sky Mm -hmm. well you know the night before right uh doing investigative uh findings that director randall nickerson was able to three pilots this is a guy from mufon no no uh, this is the guy who does did the documentary uh, aerial phenomenon the the pilot saw something outside yeah and they actually came forward to him saying you know we had we because there was kind of a media frenzy that took place after this and they they came out and said you know, we had witnessed off the left side of our wing this like glowing orb is what they described it as. Uh, and they all witnessed it. And then it just kind of like took off. And now this was only one night before. Two nights prior, there was a slurry of uh, of, of people reporting these this kind of like uh, fireball-shaped craft followed by other craft mm-hmm. flying through the sky. And there were astronomers and scientists who also reported this, too. So much so that they, uh, you know, they reported it into MUFON, which uh, Cynthia Hurd made a uh, an investigative report of it called Case Number 95. So did anyone ever provide explanation for those things? No. Even false explanations? You know, uh, some people did come out, just to, just to parlay part of that skeptic side of the story, some people said that it was, you know, uh, a two-stage rocket reentry mm-hmm. from uh, of, of Russian descent. But... Uh, how many times have we heard that old thing? I mean, Jesus. <laughs> the old Russian the second old, stage. Two, the old <laughs> Russian second stage. This story reminds me of a couple other playground stories I've heard, which mm. is really strange. The uh, the Verona's UFO landing, which was in Russia in 1989. We covered that on yeah. Michael Morisi's episode that you were not there for. Um, <laughs> oh, but no, yeah. but then again, so 40, to, 40 to 50. No, I'm just... because it, It's true. It's true, you weren't there, but I'm saying... Uh, You're not here a lot. You weren't, no. Oh, sorry, I was filming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, they, uh, but that was one where, four, again, 40 to 50 witnesses, a craft lands, uh, two beings, two, one to two beings get out, a little mm. robot was there, Ooh. and interacted with the, with the group of people and then took off. They'd seen lights around um, Verona's the night before. Um, and then in the weeks after, there was other sightings of of craft and creatures following, like for the next next week. Now, some of that we can probably attribute to the press uh, running with it and people getting a little hysterical mm-hmm. and wanting to be part of the story. The other story this reminds me of, and this isn't Graham Hancock's book Supernatural, which yeah. we've mentioned a million times on this book. podcast. Um, and this 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 one freaked me out. Um, <clears throat> there was a story, and I can't remember exactly where it was. Uh, I, it wasn't in the States. It was either, I, I think it was in Europe. Um, a bunch of school kids were playing when they were a, a group of what they call little gnomes mm-hmm. descended on the playground driving tiny cars. Yeah. 
And Amazing. that story freaked me out because when I was a kid, I had a dream that I was on the playground and like gnomes with red pointed hats came out and started playing with all the kids. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, I still get goosebumps. It was one of those dreams that stuck with me because it felt more like a weird supernatural nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't fun. I wasn't excited. It was scary. And it was always one of those that I just remembered and being super creeped out by. And then when I read that, in the supernatural book, I was like, "Whoa, that must be tapping into some other type of phenomenon." So there are these stories of entities presenting themselves to groups of kids mm-hmm. in playgrounds, which is so strange. Now, the, I think the big disservice that sort of happened in this case is that you know, um, when they went in to tell their teachers and their and their mentors and their peers, a lot of them just didn't believe them. You know. <clears throat> Of course, which is unfortunate because, um, and and you know, well, they're a bunch of unsupervised children that have access well, to unlimited amounts of candy. Right, they're hyped up <laughs> well, on sugar. I, and you know, Doctor Mack tried to point out uh, as a psychologist, he's like, "Listen, we're, not, we're never going to know what exactly happened, but to discount what these kids are trying to tell us is as as lies." You know, is 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 actually harmful to them and and a complete disservice to, uh, you know, to to what they're experiencing. You know, and and this documentarian, um, and I recommend you go check out the site aerialphenomenon.com. dot com. We'll put it up in the show links. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, he's followed up with a lot of these witnesses, and and like a lot of these, you know, people who have experienced these this sort of traumatic high strangeness. You know, they didn't want to talk about it. And, and it still had a profound effect on their lives like 20, 30 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that they've all gone off. Unlike you, who was not affected, but, but they've gone off on like, you know, trying to figure out um, what something like this might mean. Yeah, or they're all, they've got to all be what in their <clears throat> late 20s, early, early yeah. to mid 30s. Yeah, now. that's right. You just pitched a great NBC show. <laughs> True. Good job. Sold in the room. Yeah. Uh, and they were selling shows right and left. Yeah. yeah. Should have had you on earlier. Today. I know. So, so what do you what do you think? Yeah, what's your Mr. take? This is, a, this is a really interesting story. Uh the details of it make it very believable to me, but of course specificity is key in fiction mm-hmm. because it makes it believable. Mm-hmm. Um there's stuff I had never heard. There's stuff that, as you say, like lines up with other stories. Um but ultimately don't you think we would have heard about aliens? Like, if this were going on. Right. Has has a, a story like this, which, again, is very believable, happened in the past five years when everybody has a phone in their, uh, has a camera in their pocket? Well, that's a great question. Um, and to that, I would say yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there is stuff happening yearly, so much so that hundreds of reports flood into... Uh, the mutual UFO network every year. And, uh, and the, like the best ones that I like to pick through or, or that always capture my attention are, are like something of what happened to you where you have multiple witnesses describing pretty much somewhat the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's kind of a triangulation of evidence. And, and yes, there are people who capture photographic video, um, not, not only as well as eyewitness testimony that put a real kind of like, uh, damper on the skeptic's plug of like, hey, this is nothing more than mass hysteria or mass hallucination. Um, well, there's just so much disinformation out there too, and so mm. much hoax, you know, mm-hmm. hoaxery, and it's tough. But I, 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 you know, Ben, I think you bring up a good point too that like it has felt like it's been a minute since there's been a mass sighting of like a craft landing and yeah. beings coming out. Verona's 1989. This was 1994. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix Lights, uh, which mm-hmm. didn't involve any, there's video, but it didn't involve any entities. That was 1997. It's been a while that since we've had a, we almost thought we had one in San Diego last week, but it turned mm. out to be military players. <laughs> Is that right? right. Yeah. That's I mean, and the, the, the video does <laughs> seem to be pretty conclusive that that's what it was. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it is interesting. And even the abduction phenomenon itself really seemed to peak in the eighties and Mm nineties. Um, and maybe it's part of a larger pattern that we don't quite understand. Maybe the, due to the fact that we do have video cameras in our pockets now that they are sort of fucking with us in some degree, you know, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Maybe the Wi-Fi signals that we're carrying around with us. 
uh, are blocking our third eye from being able to see these yeah. things. Who knows? I don't know. You know, maybe no, it's, maybe it's more entwined than than, than we think. I don't you know, know. You make a hat out of foil in it. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's true. Fixes you can guard the, against fixes that. The that's true. You know, I, I would argue the biggest news to come out in the in in the last year or so was that uh, that groundbreaking New York Times article that yes. shed the light that hey, the government has spent twenty two million dollars investigating uh, unidentified aerial phenomena, running a program called ATIP. Uh, which is the Advanced Aerial Threat Initiation Program, funded by three uh, bipartisan senators, and uh, and also releasing videotape footage of these uh, strange metallic crafts evading F-18 Hornets. Um, yeah, with audio of the pilots <clears throat> talking with, about what they're seeing while they're seeing it. Yeah, so that was kind of a big uh, news break and sort of a validation for a lot of, uh, mm-hmm. of well, ufologists and One stuff of the like ways that, that Harry Reid got so much funding for that in the Senate was because other senators who had flown planes during World War II, during Korea, during, uh, I don't know, maybe Vietnam, but they talked about seeing mm-hmm. that they themselves during wartime seeing craft flying outside their planes that they could not explain. So, uh, you know, I think people see this shit more than we, you know, there's credit for. And to answer your question, Ben, I think we do know about this stuff. We just don't know what it is. Mm. And I think that a lot of that, again, uh, information is being withheld from the public. And also I think it's just just so much shit on the Internet, including this podcast, (laughs) that it's hard to discern what's real and what's not. Yeah, totally. And and for some reason it doesn't strike a... uh, <clears throat> that chord through um through everybody that says hey this is the most important thing that I should be talking about but and hey, oh, oh, oh go oh, for it oh, oh I was you do know, it was, do it you and got we're it. back Oh, nice. He beat us to it. Well, with 400 <laughs> podcasts, he knows, he knows when to come in. The man knows when he's back. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, a long-haired alien wearing a headband just picked up Michael and uh, took him away. Had to fly him away. Yeah. So uh, finishing up with the better half of uh, Acker and Blacker here with Ben Blacker. And we just discussed the Ariel School phenomenon story. and um, Which he's conclusively on board with. He's on it's board It's a pretty with. good story. Yeah. I yeah. like it. I like it. It makes for a good story anyway. I think so too. Um, I mean, if anything, that's I think what we're we're going for is it. If believe it or don't, that's up to you. But we just want to tell some good stories. And you have been for almost a year. I know. Oh, I know. Thanks. How exciting! Um, okay, cool. Well, let's uh, let's wrap up. And um, I think you want to tell us again about what's coming out. Let me do that. Let's do uh, that. This book from Vertigo, uh, DC Vertigo, called Hexwives. It's Ex-wise. about witches and the insidious ways that men control women. Uh, I've learned in doing comics that pre-orders are very important. Yes. Right. So uh, I think this will be out within the next couple of weeks. But the thing to do... Oh, great. Yeah. So listen, if this comic book sounds good to you and my artist is amazing and the colorist is absolutely incredible, uh, so I hope you'll check out at least the first issue. If it sounds good to you, listener, call up your local comic book shop. Tell them you would like a copy of Hexwives. They will order it for you. Then, on Halloween, you go in, you give them four bucks, and you get your copy of the comic. I don't even care if you read it. (laughs) Just pre-order it. (laughs) If you pre-order it, it means I get to do more. Like, I want to do this comic for 100 issues. Totally. Um, I have so many stories to tell in this world. And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and get a get a copy of Adventure Van by our our boy Michael. Yeah, I'm excited for that. It's really great. Our really audience is. is all about these type of stories, and, and, and Michael has shown us before, just like you said, that pre-orders can be a, a huge boon to what we do to keep telling these creative stories. So so check it out and do that if you're listening. And also, uh, you know, find us on iTunes and, and rate and review us because it really helps get our podcast noticed, and we're, we're trying to crack that top 200 thing. It is. We are getting very close. Yes. And uh, it's very exciting to top 200 in comedy. So if you guys wouldn't mind just clicking a... Clicking some stars for us. Well, you should be in the science category. (laughs) This is, I know. I agree with you, Ben. I agree with you 100%. Is that true? Yeah, they moved us over to comedy. So, (laughs) oh, that's cute. A science podcast. So, for now, we'll have to suffice as a comedy podcast. No, which is what we are. No, yeah, we always. We we, we try not to take ourselves too seriously, but uh, we take the facts seriously. That's right. Ben, facts. That's right. I like that. (laughs) 
Yep. I like that a lot. But everything else, everything is, else, uh, not so much. Not yeah. so much. <laughs> uh, that's it for this episode of uh, BCC. Check us out uh, next week. We got a really good one coming. Yeah. Thanks for listening, you guys. We we love you. All right. Bye bye. See you. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.